Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Strategic recruiting strategies. Dale Archdeacon, Inside Sales Extraordinaire. I can never remember the exact. Is it Smart Inside Sales? That's your company, right? Smart, Smart Inside, Inside sales? sales is the company. Yep. Not Silly Inside Sales. <laughs> silly Not String uh, Manufacturers. That's what we do. Not Stupid Inside Sales. Smart Inside Sales. Right. Exactly. You know, I thought of all the names, I was like, I think I'm going to go with Smart. It just, it you know, it, it seems like it makes sense. We'll start it there. Does. It does. It's way better than silly. All right. Well, guys, now that we've got that out of the way, in case you haven't seen Dale Archdeacon on Agent Power Huddle before, I am grateful he is back. He is the owner of a company we've now said the name like 16 times, Smart Inside Sales, where he trains you and your team how to book more appointments in less time, convert stuff. He's not here to sell stuff. He's here today to talk about, uh, I'm going to get the exact title right. It is uh, Strategic Recruiting Strategies. And could we be recruiting buyers and sellers? Or are we literally talking about recruiting agents to a team? We're recruiting you know, inside salespeople. Who are we recruiting today? This is primarily agents. And I'll tell you why we, we have this topic for today. So my company is Smart Inside Sales. We do scripting, dialogue, objection handling, training, right? The tactical block and tackling training of agents, salespeople, and ISAs. Um, but then we also work with team leaders on, hey, I want to hire inside sales agents. I want to run that model in my business. Or listen, I have a bunch of leads and my agents are a bunch of lazy babies who aren't doing anything with them. So I'm just being dead honest. So here's the thing, Jesse. If, if, if anyone's watching this or listening who's offended by being called a lazy baby, he's not talking to you. If you're listening to this, clearly you're engaged, right? Craig just turned his right. camera back on. Were you offended? Craig, you weren't offended, right? All right, just making right. sure. No, I had to take a quick call for a second. So I don't want to. Right, just, just making sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Craig is familiar with the concept of agents who don't work the leads you gave them. I don't think <laughs> this is not a revolutionary topic in our industry, believe me. Make sure. All right, continue, Dale. Now continue. Yeah. So here's the thing. We're smart inside sales. We have the specialty of teaching people how to build inside sales departments. The problem is, everybody, and I'm, listen, I'm letting you take a look under the kimono, is that 99% of the team leaders or broker donors who come to us who say, Dale... I need an inside sales department. I need some ISAs. And I say, why do you need them? And they say, because I have a shit ton of leads and my agents are all lazy and they don't work them. So I'm going to get some ISAs and it's going to go better and I'm going to make a lot of money. And I say, that's like trying to have a baby to fix your marriage. Okay. Nobody ever fixed their marriage by having a baby. Let's talk about your marriage first. Okay. Hold on. I'm sorry. My, I got to let my dog out. I don't know how my dog got in here. And in the meantime, I'm going to talk about how having a baby does not fix a marriage, right? But it is wonderful. Babies are great, but I anyway, don't know. To continue on. All right. Dale's back. His dog is gone. So I'm totally with you, Dale. I get the framework. So what does happen when someone calls you and they say, hey, I'm going to hire some ISAs because no one's working these leads. What happens then? Well, the first question is, why aren't they working the leads? Now, the good answer, and we'll take you on as a client and help you do it, if the answer is, listen, my agents are so busy, the majority, 90% of my agents, nine out of 10 of them sell so many houses, they don't have time to get back to these leads, to follow up with them, to make the 14th outbound call to the lead that hasn't talked to them yet, right? They're busy. They got stuff under contract. They're negotiating. They're closing deals. They're killing it. 
I need a better way to support our lead flow. That's the good answer. The bad answer is, well, they aren't working the leads because they're lazy and they won't do what I tell them. And uh, they're just wasting all this opportunity, right? And I'm held hostage by my agents. So that's a bad answer. And I don't want to give you another, what, what happens there is if you take on an ISA, essentially you have to have a higher degree of accountability management and oversight to run ISAs than you do in fact to run agents. If you can't, if you aren't running an agent team with enough accountability and oversight to cause sales to happen and you come to my doorstep because that's the problem, I'm just going to give you more homework to do what you aren't already doing, uh, frankly. And so that's not the way to go. So, so what you're saying is this call we're going to do for the next 20, however many minutes is not a magic bullet. It is not, unfortunately, no. I'm fresh out of magic bullets. If anybody knows where to get them, please let me know. I'll, I'll I, if, you, if, if I find some, I will trade them for your magic beans. All right, moving on. Yeah. So um, knowing that, and that's a great way to frame that up because I have run teams, a lot of people listening are team leaders. And if you're a team agent, by the way, guys, it doesn't matter, or a solo agent without a team, this will still relate to you. Some of the concepts we talk about, I guarantee we'll still talk to you, but we'll do it from the context of having this issue with a, a surplus of leads that aren't being worked. I love it. So, yeah. so where do you go next? Then? So where do you go next from there, Dale? So, so I would say, you know, and looking upstream saying, where does the problem start? A lot of the problem starts with the recruiting process of bringing agents onto your team. And listen, it's really difficult to get good agents to join your team. And at the core of it, it it's like anything else. If you're trying to have quality uh, employees, quality uh, salespeople, whatever it is, quality people in your organization, it takes time and focus over time to actually find those people, find the right people with the core strengths and personalities and perspective that you can then layer on training and guidance and leadership and all of those kind of things. Because I'm sure everyone knows you really can't polish turds. And so, <laughs> if, if, I mean, if you're, if you're right, Craig, you, this episode is full of good one-liners, Dale. I love where we're going with this. All right. So, so, so here's my question. Are you a, because now, now I understand what we're hiring to. We're, we're talking about recruiting for your team or your culture. I mean, you could be recruiting to your brokerage, but, but whatever it may be, um, are you a higher, slow, fire, fast methodology? Or are we talking something different? I'm definitely higher, slow, fire, fast. And it's, listen, I want to be honest with everybody. It's even, I talk like this, but it's emotionally hard for me to fire people. Have I done it? Do I do it? Yes, I do. Do I have the difficult conversations? But it's always uncomfortable. It's always, it's an emotional drain. It's difficult to do. And really half of the time you want somebody to like break open your piggy bank and steal from you. So it's a very clear line in the sand kind of stuff, right? Unfortunately, it's not always like that. And you have to make some judgment calls, but yes. So hire slow, uh, fire quickly. Uh, but more so, I, I just want to talk about the recruiting part of it. If you're trying to bring on agents to your company, the reason that I, I focus on this and wanted to talk about it is that the easiest way to get real estate agents to your team typically will produce the lowest, worst type of fit for your company or culture, right? So running advertisements is the easiest thing to do. You run a job ad looking for agents, right? And everybody should be doing it. But I just want to point out that that is the lowest, the, the lowest form 
of finding talent and adding them to your company. Because usually what you get are either unproven talent, brand new agent, brand new agents who are untested. And we don't even know if they really should be salespeople in the first place, because a lot of really great people get into sales when they shouldn't have in the first place and they should be doing something else. And unfortunately, our teams end up being the testing ground to figure out whether those people should be in sales or not. Right. I, I've, yes, I have lived that one. I've run many ads. And I think at the, at the top, it probably starts with defining your avatar of who you're trying to attract. Right. Yes. If some team leaders love new agents, great. If, but you know the work you have to go through to mold them and how many you have to go through to find someone who's truly motivated to work. But I love where you're going with this. So if that's the lowest, easiest way to, to recruit, and probably you're saying not your favorite strategy, what's the next strategy that takes a little more effort than that one? Yeah. The next one would be networking, right? Networking with people that you know. What you're looking for are agents in your market that your friends and sphere of influence and past clients can connect you to so that you can start to form a relationship with them. Or you're also networking to find successful salespeople in other industries because some of the best real estate salespeople come from other industries like car sales, uh, cellular service sales. Um, and oddly enough, some of the best people, this is who you should be looking for. This is a tip, write this one down. Look for pastors, okay? Look for people in the religious space who lead and contribute to others on a large scale. They're some of the best real estate salespeople I've found because they know, they, they care about other people, they wanna contribute, they know how to lead, they know how to sort of get inside the guard of people and, and, and bring them along. So, and they have a huge network. I love that. And I've never thought about pastors, but I do have a couple of friends who are team leaders that run very successful teams and agents that have left ministry and come to real estate. That it's, that's interesting. They're really there's good. Certain there's certain qualities you just explained. Can we spend a few minutes here? Like, I don't know how many bullet points you have, but can we spend a few minutes? Because there's a few other, we'll call them arch archetypes, which is appropriate for speaking to Dale Archdeacon, right? Archetypes of who you would look for in recruitment. And I'm making gross stereotype generalizations here. But I think it is interesting to look at because we interview a lot of people on the show and I see some trends. There's a lot of people who have recruited agents that were their past clients or friends of past clients because they already understand the culture of how that team works, what the fit is and what they're, and they're like, I love this experience. I want to create this for someone else. Have you seen that a lot, Dale? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's a great place to go. I mean, you start with the relationships that you already have and you start by looking for the kind of people that you feel would be a good fit. And then, you know, just in sales, we have, we have hunters and we have farmers, right? So some really exceptional salespeople are farmers. They're the ones that, you know, they have it. Once they develop a book of past clients, they love them. They send them business. They send them referrals, right? You know that you can feel comfortable giving them a piece of business, but they aren't the ones who are going to be in the front of the line with trying to get out there and find new relationships or have difficult conversations with strangers in order to cause them to become business. Though they're farmers, right? They can really handle the business well. They can do a great job, very stable. And then you've got your hunters, the ones who are out there finding new relationships, building new relationships, constantly hunting, right? Jesse, I would say you're probably more of a hunter. Uh, Craig, I'm not familiar with your sales style, but uh, probably hunter also. Uh, and so those are, you know, your, which, what, which category are you in? 
and and you can you can start to pick that up on where they're at and just decide if you have a place for them in your organization or not. If you find a farmer that has a really good sphere of influence already, like we're talking about these pastors, dude, like you, it just takes maybe a conversation or two about how to leverage that network differently. And all of a sudden they've got business opening up for them and they don't necessarily have to be a hunter at heart. I, I love that distinction, guys. Please write that down because you want to look at yourself. What is your natural skill set? If you're building out a team, surround yourself with people that are compliment you. And you are right. I tend to be more of a hunter. I've learned the skill set to be a farmer, but it's not how I'm naturally wired. So I tend to surround myself with farmers so I can do the hunting and then toss them over and they can do the farming around me. Right? Yeah. Because that's how I know, I know myself. I, I want to give another um, another group to have you expand on a little bit. I, this has just kind of come from over the years talking to people. I believe if you look for someone in the networking phase you're talking about who is at a phase of life change, they may have a license they're not really utilizing, or they might have been curious, but I've had on my teams over the years a number of mothers who have children that have grown that are now ready for something else that are getting back into the workforce because Tell me what you think of this, Dale. I think being a mom and running a family, not to gender stereotype, I know men can run families, but personally, it's been the woman who has done most of the child raising in our society. Um, if you can raise a family, you're doing a lot of the same skills. You need to be a productive real estate agent. Agreed? Yeah. Like Agreed. Balancing all these things. So, so like if you're networking, once you define what, like I, I know there's some, some teams that only have like just a ton of mothers that have re-entered the workforce. There's a team in Seattle that has all these actors on it. Their, their avatar became actors who turned into agents because they really love that. Once you do that, how would you combine that with your networking strategy we're talking about? Uh, well, you, you just talk to people that, you know, looking for the avatar that you're looking for. Um, and, you know, you, you go through that. And I would say you're, you know, just like you're working your sphere to look for referrals, you're looking for business that you can do. You're looking for opportunities to help people that they know. A couple of times a year, I think you should roll through the sphere of influence, check in with them and say, hey, I'm looking for, you know, anyone, honestly, who's interested in potentially selling real estate. But specifically, you know, I found that moms reentering the workforce really work out well or salespeople who are, are have hit the top of their industry, like car sales or medical sales. Do you know anybody that I should talk to? So it's just another conversation that you have a couple of times a year. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of teams I know that are made up of almost entirely service vets because that was the culture and who they attracted that, right? Leaving the armed forces, going the real estate couple that are all ex gym fitness salespeople, right? That's a great one. Yeah, that's another one. Right. Any, other, any other categories we're missing while we're just rattling out ideas for people here? I'm not sure about the categories, but hopefully that gets the wheels turning for people. I want to move on to the third thing. So you've got three buckets, right? We've got the advertising for it. We've got the networking for it. And then we've got content marketing. And, you know, this is what we're doing right now. We're content marketing, right? Jesse is bringing us together bringing thought leaders like this to people for a certain purpose. That's content marketing. That's how I run my coaching and training business. In fact, we don't even do any advertising. It's primarily content marketing. I get my face out there, teach some stuff when people come to us. So you in your local market can be a thought leader among the agents and the brokerages where you are. Now, when I say that, if you're like, Oh, I, what am I going to teach these people? How am I going to get in front of them? I'm not the top producer in my market. Forget all of that stuff. Do you know how I started a coaching and training company? Do you know how I started, how I decided that I could teach people things? How? I got on the internet and started teaching things. Okay. Some people like it. Most people like it. Some people don't. 
But I decided I could teach people things and I started teaching them. And you know, what's amazing. If you stand up front, you start talking, the people that like it will show up to you. You don't have to be the top producer in your market. You don't have to have all the connections. You don't have to be the 800 pound gorilla. Start helping other agents in your market. Start teaching whatever the hell you think you know, right? Or want to look like you know, and people will follow you. That's content marketing. I love that, Dale. And I'll piggyback on it even one step further for any new agents watching this. You're like, but I don't even know anything to teach, to pretend to teach. Feature other people who know how to teach, right? I don't know all the things Dale's talking about. Dale knows it, but I'm getting some benefit just by sitting here. I'm the one who's holding space for Dale. Dale's the one who's teaching. I'm just sitting here smiling, trying not to get in his way. You could have never sold a house and set up an interview show with top producers in your area. And people are going to think you're a rock star when you're just interviewing other people about what they did to sell houses. Agreed? Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Listen. Uh, so I'm in the city, right? Philadelphia. I can talk to one concept. I can go and talk to or network with some brokerage owners out in the burbs, right? And be like, hey, you're a successful owner in the burbs. You, nobody in the city knows who you are. Let me just feature you. Let's do a quick webinar. You talk about how your brokerage is killing it out there in the burbs and maybe you'll get some referral business, right? Do I have to know how he runs his brokerage? No. Do I have to know what exactly those city agents want to know? No, I'm just making the connection, right? And I'm showing the value of this broker showing up to do some training in my local market. And it can be that simple. Can, can I ask you a personal question? Sure. You said you just started teaching this stuff. Have you always been an internally motivated, self-confident person? Or how did you convince no. yourself? To work to, I, I knew that was your answer. I wanted everyone else to hear it. Like, are you, let, let's even start even higher. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I'm more of an introvert. Well, I think I'm, I think the pendulum is getting more to extrovert if I'm on stage, right? Correct. But naturally, you're wired to be an introvert, Dale. Yes. If, if I would have told you years ago, you're going to be on webinars talking all the time, you probably would have cringed. Okay. No, I'd be like, that's insane. And where, how do I get out of that? Right. So how did you make that shift? How did you convince yourself that like, I, I, I'm confident enough, I'm going to do this. Like, what, what was that shift like for you? So... When I looked at the success that I had created internally with the company that I was working with and the team that, that I had built, uh, and I said, I, I don't want to be in this position anymore, and I'm trading time for money. I have a set of skills that I've developed. I have a set of knowledge that I've developed and strategies and methods. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure other people would find value in this and want to know it too. And, you know, at the most basic, I was like, I, I don't want to get another job. I want to create a business around this. And I think I can do it. Right. And so I started out kind of meager. Like if I had some videos and stuff of me doing it early on, I was super nervous, but I just acted like I wasn't. Right. So I, I can, I can pretend even though the internal storm is going on. Right. Um, but I just showed up and started teaching what I know and people started listening and they valued it. And, you know, it, because I had real world results that I had accomplished, just like you, everybody listening to this has sold real estate, sells real estate, has figured out how to keep the lights on selling real estate or by building a team or a brokerage or, you know, even figured out how not to build a team or a brokerage. Like uh, half of what I teach comes from my own mistakes, right? 
saying, saying, don't have a baby to fix your marriage. Don't get an ISA to fix your broken team. I've lived that. Right. So you can teach pretty much anything. And yeah, so it, this was a transformation, you know, and um, having amazing hair, getting my hairstyle to the right, like it's progressed as my confidence has gone and my hairstyling skills have improved. It, it really, it's a, it feeds on itself. And, and anyone listening to the audio only, you really should switch over to visual right now because this, <laughs> this hair is on point. Do you think by the way, the next few years, you'll get Don King level. Like as you keep getting more confident, no, I'm kidding. All right. So Jesse, I don't know where this is going. You know, I'm just along for the ride. So, so last thing in terms of your personal confidence, because in terms of content marketing, everyone watching this could do content marketing, but most of them don't do much of it for recruitment. And I want to get into some specific tactics of if you're going to do content marketing, how do you leverage that? Do you just put content out there? But, but my last question first on who you have to be before we change gears to tactics is, um, if you were starting out all over again, right? If you were just starting to do this content marketing, um, did you pick an area you were passionate about? Because you just described, look, I have expertise, I have anything, but like, I know you offline, you're a sales nerd. You love what you talk about. Yeah. I think it shows. So would you recommend people pick things also that they truly love and are passionate about, or does that not really matter? Uh, I think that it does, uh, at least for most of us, I guess, unless you're like a sociopath and you can just pretend, but you know, for most of us, we need to be passionate about what we're talking to other people about. And I'm going to assume that most of the people listening to this right now enjoy selling real estate uh, in part or whole because they enjoy making an impact in other people's lives and they enjoy being uh, a counselor, a guidance person, right? Being able to help somebody solve a problem, get through a complex process, right? Teaching other people is the same idea, right? And, and so, if you're an individual agent, or if, if you're just now thinking about maybe starting a team, you have to shift your perspective and you have to, to go to the, rather than all the agents in your market being your competitors, they are now all your leads, right? All these people are your leads. They just don't know you and they don't know what kind of impact you can make in their lives and their businesses yet. And so if you can make that shift, you start teaching. And as long as you're passionate about helping other people, it translates. I love it. So, so we have about five minutes. I don't want to go into the mechanism necessarily of like, what do you do with the content? More to, assuming we have other places they can figure out where to put it on Instagram, Facebook, get it out there. Once you start making content though, what do you do? Do you do, you do anything to further along? Do you just put it out there and hope and pray? Uh, the thing that I do in my company is I find people with a bigger audience and I get next to them like Jesse, right? Or I talk to somebody who knows Jesse and I'm like, hey man, can you introduce me to Jesse? He's a pretty cool guy, has a pretty big network, pretty sure his people would like my stuff. So think about, put it in context of you. If you wanna get in front of agents in your market, who has their ear? How do you get in front of them? How do you get to the people that have the audience, right? That's what you're looking for. Who do they follow? Who do they listen? Where do they go? How can you how can you get in front of them? And you just start building that that kind of stuff up. Does that make sense, guys? If you have questions, please. We got a few minutes. To type, type in live. I'm just going down my stream of consciousness. And and Dale, if there's anything else you want to make sure we cover before we wrap up, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, I I want to give just a couple basic parameters that are going to help team leaders out there. And if you're thinking about building a team. Uh, and I'm talking a little more traditional style team, not so much the newer like network or kind of things. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sure Jesse would be happy to explain it to you. Um, are you 
talking about expansion teams, EXP, that sort of thing. You're talking about like a real yeah. true like sales team. Like, yeah, like, so not the expansion stuff, the EXP organization. I'm talking a little more traditional, right? Hey, you're an agent. You, I give you leads. You sell houses. I make money on it, right? A little more traditional. If you're, if you, and and it's a very valid model. It's it's the majority of the model that's out there. Um, a couple of pieces of guidance for you: establish a minimum standard to be on your team. Okay, minimum sales standard. Now, this is going to vary based on market, based on uh, sales price. Uh, it's going to vary widely. Okay, because if your average sales price in your market or on your team is 200K, your minimum standard to be on your team might be 36 units a year. If your average price is a million plus, it might be like eight units a year to stay on the team. So it's really going to vary widely, but establish a minimum standard to, to be with your team, to engage in your leads, your processes, your marketing, your guidance, your supervision, your culture, right? Establish a minimum standard and hold people to it and then measure them by quarter. And I just usually use a very simple metric. If you miss hitting your minimum standard two quarters in a row, we part ways. Okay. So that's six months at a time. If you can't hit the minimum standard of the team and provided that I've created a reasonable minimum standard for the team, if you can't hit it, that's just a business choice that you've made and, and it's not a right fit. So we've got minimum standard. Then you create a rock star rule. So this is one of the issues that I see with teams, traditional teams out there, is you're either zero accountability or you're 100% accountability. Zero accountability can keep some rock star producers, but then there's going to be a lot of no producers. 100% accountability has some low producers, but can't keep top producers. So it's, it has to be a bit of a blended model. So we have our minimum standard and then we have our rock star rules. So let's just, let's use an average. Let's say my minimum standard is 12 units a year. My rock star rule is 24 units a year. You, you only get a seat at the table if you can sell 12. If you sell more than 24, I don't ask you any questions. Between 12 and 24, you report numbers, you show up for training, you participate, you, you do the things we tell you to do and we measure your performance and help you as a result. Once you sell more than 24 based on that system, I don't ask any more questions. If you just want me to sign your checks and never talk to me, let's do it. Let's do it that way. Or if you wanna have a bigger role in our company, we can absolutely make that happen for you. But at that point, it's a la carte for you. I love that too. Simple, concise. And that was probably about seven years of my learning and running different size teams to learn what you just told me in like four minutes. So I wish I would have known that seven years ago. We should have met seven years ago. I know. But seriously, that's, I, I love that. So you what, say the names again, you call it the minimum standard and the rock star rule. Minimum standard rock star rule. Love it. All right, guys, if you have questions about how to build and scale a team, reach out to Dale. Clearly, he has some of your questions on recruiting. Reach out to Dale or me. I like recruiting too, but I'll probably just send you back to Dale. And of course, Inside Sales, we didn't talk about that at all today, but his company is called Smart Inside Sales. So if you are trying to scale a team and you have the problem he talked about, which was you have good agents who are super busy, right? And they just need a little extra help. Talk to his company. You got a bunch of agents doing nothing, right? You can still talk to Dale, but he's not going to tell you to get an inside salesperson. He's going to tell you to fix the core issue first. Is that a good summary, Dale? Absolutely. Yes. What is the best way for people to reach you? I'm Dale at smartinsidesales.com. Cool. He or you can find me on the internet. 
I say he legally changed his last name to a to a domain name. That is bold, Dale. <laughs> I'm sorry. My humor is only funny to like three of you this morning. The rest of you are like, come on, Jesse. Anyway, guys, Dale, thank you for being here. Truly, I appreciate your knowledge and expertise. Every time I listen to Dale, I learn something. So thank you for being here. Let's let's have you on again, man. And uh, I just appreciate your hair more than anything. Thank you so much. Listen, it's all in the hair. That's uh <laughs> We'll see you guys. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one, everyone. Bye, guys. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.